Welcome to the third episode of YASP, yet another shitty podcast. Usually we record every two weeks, but suddenly we decided to do a weekly show. Today with me is my ever, ever angry co-host, Ami Reza. <laughs> Why ever, ever angry? We'll get to it. And today okay. we also have a guest, Mohammed Taravi. Hi, I'm happy. Welcome, Mohammed. Thank you. I'm happy to be on yet another shitty podcast. We're happy to have you. Yeah, and we hope we make a habit of having guests on our show. We try to have a guest every week, but since the number of friends we have is limited, we might try voice changers, you know, and change our accents. Maybe we will start talking to ourselves. It's a descent into madness, if one could yes. <laughs> put a name on it. But jokes aside, we will try to do that. And if anyone who thinks is capable of, not capable, it's not, not a big deal, who thinks, you know, is interested in the same topics and wants to talk and, uh, you know, just is interested in what we're doing, we'd be more than happy to have them and you know where to contact us. Okay, so this episode, we are going to talk about two subjects. Rick and Morty, the Justin Roiland Dan Harmon show, and the other subject, which we'll go to very soon. But uh, first of all, let me introduce Muhammad a little bit more. Muhammad is one of my friends. We were together on the dark times that is paddisgame.net. And uh, he used to write for the uh, game reviews and the cinema reviews. But I was only doing cinema reviews at the time. I mean, it was nice. okay, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I have some very famous reviews, you know, uh, there's one for Prey, I gave the game five and a half and everyone wanted to kill me, basically. The new one uh, or the old one? Uh, the new one. Okay, I haven't played it, so I don't know. I really didn't like it, man. Okay, based on your review, I should be happy that I didn't play it. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> okay. Let's get to Rick and Morty, the sensation that took everyone by storm. Before we do that, I'm still, you know, stuck on something. Ever, ever angry guy? <laughs> Why am I the ever, ever angry guy? <laughs> I don't know. I was just trying to add drama to the whole show. Okay, but you didn't go with ever, ever happy guy. There should be a reason that you decided okay. to go with angry guy. Because ever, ever happy guy is a lie. And ever, ever angry guy is also a lie. I'm sometimes happy. I know I'm mostly angry. I give you that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. But I'm not angry in a sensible way. I mean, you can't... You're angry in a Bill Burr way. General okay. angriness? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Can you repeat the question? <laughs> I said, is that a good thing or a bad thing that I'm a Bill Burr? kind of angry guy i mean it can be a good thing i like bill burr okay and is it generally speaking or just for the sake for the sake of this podcast i mean i don't <laughs> okay let's forget it it's getting personal so let's jump to rick <laughs> yes. and morty we're mostly gonna cover the fourth season which was yes. just recently finished but before yes. we do that because there may be some people out there some Neanderthals and cavemen who haven't watched it yet. <laughs> Come on, what, are, what the fuck are you doing with your lives? And I get, Hi. I now get why I'm the ever, ever get angry guy. Okay, so yeah. you yeah. people need to get your shit together and start watching this. Not because it's a great show, because everyone else is doing it and not watching it is like, mm. I don't know, not knowing how to drive. Which again, I know Ali doesn't know. Exactly. And then again, you need to get your shit together and get a driver's license. <laughs> you know, uh, there was another show people were really watching. You know what happened to that? Thing? Uh, you mean oh, Game oh, of oh, Thrones? Obviously. Okay. Yeah, they got, yeah, yeah. got, <laughs> yeah. got molested by the directors and the writers, but, you know, 
And yes. I hope the same fate doesn't fall upon us, the Rick and Morty followers, but... I mean... It's not that far-fetched. It could... Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's my point. Uh, okay, to be honest, I watched the show when it first came out, season one, and not because someone told me to. Oh. I used to watch this show on Adult Swim called Super Jail. Oh. And it was very fucked up. Yeah. And that's the most polite way to sum up that yeah. show. And then I saw that the same channel had this other show, and I thought, well, why not? By complete accident, I found Rick and Morty. I watched the first season, and when I watched Super Jail, nobody knew what Super Jail was. Yet, when I watched Rick and Morty and came out talking about it, I realized it's apparently a very big thing. Well, I watched it, I started watching it when the first season had finished, and it was by the, you know, insistence of one of my friends. And I think back then I was mostly hooked on, I don't remember, it was post-South Park. I'm pretty sure about that because I got oh. addicted to South Park in high school. But uh, probably Archer, my Archer phase, I'm not sure. And we definitely need to do a, do an episode on Archer yeah, too. Yeah, Archer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how about you, Mohammed? How did you get to know this lovely creature that is Rick and Morty? So I don't exactly remember when I first heard of it, but I remember that the first time we went to Animation Nights, Ali knows. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. There were some nights where we gathered. Yeah, yeah. The first one was about Rick and Morty. And by that time, I had seen the second season, actually not the first season. And that season is my favorite by far. Yeah. So there was this gathering, physical gathering of people watching shows together? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, remember when people used to physically gather? My God, <laughs> how? Why did we feel safe? I mean, I personally never felt safe in, you know, crowds, but that's a different thing. It has nothing to do with this pandemic. But how it's like... Even when looking at uh, historic tapes and stuff, when I look at people gathered in places, I'm like, oh my god, the risk involved <laughs> is too much. Well, yeah. you were very brave back then. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing everything in a new light. But let's introduce the show briefly, yeah, and maybe. I think you should do it. Okay. <laughs> there yeah. is this grandpa, Rick, and his grandson, Morty. Rick is sort of a genius, according to himself, he's the smartest man in the universe. He makes gadgets and goes on sci-fi adventures, not unlike the dynamic duo of Doc Brown and uh, Marty from Back to the Future. I'm saying it because it's literally taken from that. Yeah, yeah, uh, even the name Marty is sort of like Marty. It's more than sort of like Marty. Yeah. (laughs) Almost Um, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> yes, but yeah. they made Doc Brown an asshole and made Marty an idiot. No. Possibly has Asperger's syndrome, I think. It the potential was there, but they just amplified Come it. Come on, Marty Mc Mar- Marty McFly wasn't an Marty idiot. is not an asshole. Oh, Marty, yeah, Marty isn't an idiot, but he's a teenager, and you know. Yeah, but Marty is an idiot. I, t- I guess they wanted to create, like, a realistic picture of a teenager, but, I mean, I was a teenager at some point, I think. It's not the average teenager, it's a loser teenager. But he's not an idiot, he's just, he generally sucks. If he's not, not an idiot, the show isn't helping portraying him as not an idiot. Well, when you place anyone next to Rick, they're gonna come off as an idiot. Yeah, yeah, but the thing is, and I emotionally, go... he's an idiot. His EQ is retarded in the EQ department. Yeah. He's like not doing a good job, but IQ is just normal, I guess. And then again, yeah. EQ, if you place any normal human being in the situations this guy has been, I think we're all retarded. So realistically, yeah. he's 
he's what he should be but in the show in the dynamic of the show he's portrayed more of a loser yeah and well they go on sci-fi adventures and that's it that's the show but something happened to the show around the i think it was second season where mm-hmm. they started to add character arcs and by the end of third season they realized they should not have done that <laughs> but we'll get to it yeah so, the first season is a jolly you know merry show and yeah the episodes are not that you know linked together it's more they don't take themselves too seriously it's not just about taking themselves seriously it's about the tone of the show that is not as fucked up as it gets season two onwards. The first season is uh, viewer friendlier, yeah, in the sense that you can you know uh, start eating your cereal and watch the show. But second season onwards, you're like, I need to give this thing my attention and my psychological demise. Yeah, <laughs> to the show. Yeah, which is a which is a good thing. I'm with Muhammad actually. Second season is my favorite season too. But the problems arise end of second season, start of third season onward. Now there is this thing you didn't realize about Victor Motive. I think, I imagine it's because Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon hate each other, but each season <laughs> takes a long, long time to come out. I think they're just uh, lazy to come up with more chaotic ideas by the time goes on. Uh, I don't think they hate each other because if they really did hate each other, I mean, you know, not as seriously as those guys, but even as amateurs like you and I, a creative process takes a lot of energy and and even a little amount of hostility is enough to result in explosions. But... I'm sure that they don't get along like Matt Stone and Trey Parker. Of course, they're not that in sync. But I'm sure they don't hate each other either. They're like... I think the clashes are mostly in the way they try to uh, move forward with the show and the characters. Not, It's not personal and it's just creative clashes that may hamper with yeah, yeah. the speed of the show. It's, it's the kind of thing where, you know, there is this baby and the father wants to raise him to become an athlete and join the sports, but the mother wants him to become a doctor. And it's a clash of like this, because uh, Justin Hoyland, we already talked about him on our first episode of the podcast. Be sure to check it out. Yeah, Solar Opposites. And, yeah, Solar Opposites. We see how Justin Hoyland works alone. And we know how Dan Harmon works alone. We have seen Community. <laughs> Highly recommend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Community is a great show, by the way. The first... Uh, I haven't watched it. Oh, it, The first four seasons are amazing. Uh, the first three seasons. Season four isn't good either. It's one of those things that I can see both of these men have the potential of creating a good show, but at some point... They are working in very different ways. And Rick and Morty, especially season four, which we will get to, has this problem a lot. I realize that some of the time they are doing small jabs at each other, like story train episode. There is an episode in season four where the character of the story lord, which wants to take everything into structure and wants to create structured episodes, that's Dan Harmon. <laughs> that's literally Dan Harmon. Yeah. That episode is filled with his structural method. I mean, the, yeah. the circular thing. It has eight parts, that method. Yeah, yeah, it has eight parts. I've done that video, fans. Yeah, I think I watched an episode analyzing... I watched a video on YouTube from Wisecrack analyzing that episode, and it shows how Harmon has to have a harmony. Haha. <laughs> 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 But the start of the show was very unstructured. It was just Monster of the Week episode. It was like early Doctor Who or uh, early Star Trek. You know, you just watch an episode and the story happened in that episode and it got resolved in that episode. Yeah. 
there were lasting impacts, but not very much. Nothing changed in the universe. Yeah, and uh, to focus more on the fourth season, it had 10 episodes. And it yeah. got released in two halves. First part, five episodes, and then uh, the other five, which was recently in a way. And season two raised the bar by creating arcs and giving depth to the characters. And they were like, we created this crazy genius and this loser kid so why not give them a background and make them more relatable or i don't know human than before and they did a great job but the problem is that they did it so good and so intense and you know compact that in a way they burnt themselves out and season three onwards they haven't been able to catch up with themselves exactly and you know since it's a sitcom, South Park, Simpsons, Family Guy, they have all been on air for, I don't know, 20 plus years. But since they didn't have arcs that try to, I don't know, give Peter Griffin or Homer Simpson or any of the characters from South Park, like Randy Marsh, a very detailed and dark and just realistic background as to why he is what he is. You're always like, you know how this character is going to act because you know he's an idiot or whatever. And you have a basic background of what's happened to him, but it doesn't take himself that seriously. And it doesn't uh, strangle himself by himself in a situation that is like, you either have to continue taking yourself seriously, which is not going to work out for, an ep for, a, for a show that got renewed for 70 more episodes. That's like a, a told era. Yeah. And I, I mean, wonder how they're going to achieve what they did in the following years. I mean, they're going to do something like season four. I want to mention something that I think South Park also did this uh, thing very bad. Remember season, I think it was season 20 when Trump was becoming president. Yeah, and uh, I think South Park did it for only two seasons. The first season, it was kind of good that it was an arc. Uh, the yeah, it was the member pick. Whole Foods. Yeah, Whole yeah. Foods. And uh, oh, I think member pick was newer. Yeah, the Whole Foods and the gentrification process. Yeah. And then came season 20, which was the one of the worst seasons of South Park. Honestly. Yeah, and one of the reasons was that Trump won. Yeah, and he took itself <laughs> too seriously. It tried to be something that it wasn't. It tried another um, Team America. I mean, Team America is a good comedy, but it, in some ways it takes itself too seriously. Yeah. And it's commenting on other celebrities, uh, talking about things they don't know anything about, but in doing so, they too are talking about something they don't know anything about. So when you look at that uh, feature film, <laughs> it falls apart in some ways. But the thing is, South Park also did this issue, but they quickly resolved it. And they had the backbone. They had 18 episodes. 18 that seasons. They... And also, uh, they did it after 20 years. They didn't do it after four years. Yeah, no. exactly. So they had a backbone. But Rich and Morty got to the arc pretty soon and then came season three. I realized by season three, they even realized their problems and they realized they can't go on like this. This is why the end of season three, in my opinion, has one of the worst episodes of Rick and Morty. They force everyone back together just so they can reach this dynamic of what happened before yeah and they bring beth and jerry back together and they say okay now we are good they even say it i think it's a line of dialogue if i remember correctly this is going to be more like season one yeah it's supposed to be meta um they're going it's going we already had a few spoilers but the the following is going to be yeah. more spoiler heavy so if you haven't watched the show at all or haven't watched the fourth season yet stop listening from now until 
until I don't know when 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 is when it's going to be safe <laughs> to give a time time code it. Yeah, but we will uh, time code it. So uh, stop listening right now. But um, so season sorry four... before you go to season four, I just want to give a general opinion about uh, the whole show. Yeah, um, I haven't seen season four. I saw it till like maybe not even the end of three. And um, my problem, uh, alongside what you guys said, was that it just got too chaotic. Like it's went on and on without any real direction you know uh, mm-hmm. i just didn't find the story telling intriguing in a way that you know makes you care for it. i think what you're saying is exactly because of the arc when you don't have an arc you don't need a direction it's it's creative direction if it's interesting and funny you're like okay i like it but when you do an arc the audience expects you to go to a certain path they want the characters and the show to go to a certain direction. And when they fail to do that, exactly what you said happens. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And okay. by the way, if you didn't like the chaotic nature of season three, you're not going to love season four. Season four is even more, uh, well, it's more stupid, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, is that season four... everything you wanted to talk about, Mohammed? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I think I cut you short. No, it's fine. You can go to season four. Okay. Okay, one of the things, but first before we go there, I want to say something. One of the problems of the show has always been the character of Rick for me. First of all, Rick is not smart sounding. He's only smart because he makes gadgets. He's uh, like Q, but less charismatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Q from James Bond, not Q from... Uh, Star Trek, Q from James Bond. But, okay. but the thing is, uh, Rick, for the creators, I even suspect, has become like this godlike character which cannot be taken down. We can't see him vulnerable. We can't see him lose. Yeah, he has become a Superman. Yeah. And, and not even uh... the comic way, the Nietzsche way. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, he can do everything. Which brings it brings the question: Why should anyone in that position do anything at all? Yeah, and of course the show's answer is because I can, and because because nothing has a meaning. I do whatever I want, so it's meaningless. But he's powerful. You know the argument, the postmodern argument that we are not powerful we don't have uh, that much uh, control over our fate and all arguments like that work and redeem us and free us because they limit us it's like nothing has a meaning so you don't have to you know put up with shit because you're limited because you're not gonna live forever because you're not going to be young forever but when you combine this with being all-powerful then what you get is that this guy is young forever, he can live forever, and yet he decides to do that even though <laughs> he doesn't have to. I mean, we have a limited time in life, we humans. We, were, we are going to die, I don't know, yeah. the average for humans these days is 70 years, whatever. And we're going to die, but this guy can live for thousands of years and he still does stupid things. Why? Yeah, and there is this reasoning behind the show, which is something I also very much dislike. And it is that because he's smart, because he's all-powerful, that is why, because he's an asshole. (laughs) Yeah. It's like people want to associate smartness and genius with being a dick. Yeah, exactly. And which is why I... It brings me to one of the points which season four also uh, solidified for me that even the creators want to do that is that Rick and Morty fan base is one of the most cringy and most violent and most toxic, toxic, toxic. fan yeah exactly yeah. we all all three of us did it at the same time <laughs> it says something when three people uncoordinated use the same word telepathic connections exactly they are extremely toxic just because they believe that 
which is smart, which is an asshole, thus smart equals asshole. Yeah. And the show is so blind to this that they keep confirming it. <laughs> yeah. And, but I don't think it's blind to it. I think it's a marketing decision. I would say, I would agree that it's a marketing uh, tactic, but I've seen it also in solo opposites and in community. I think both of the creators believe in it. If that is the case, it's sad in a way. Yeah, I mean, in solo opposite, you have Kovo, who is also kind of an asshole, even though he's less of an asshole than Rick. Because he's much more vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, he's much more Exactly. And in community, you have all of the sort of semi-smart characters are sort of assholish, excluding Abed, but because I think he has... What, what, what is his problem? I don't remember. Uh, I can't remember, but he's basically a geek that doesn't understand anything else. Asperger's yeah. autism. Uh, I think it's Asperger's <laughs> my okay. language. Probably in those lines, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. But only because of that. But these two shows treat smart people as geniuses and gives them a pass that because they are geniuses, they cannot be bogged down by by our usual human ways, but by our usual human um, emotions. They are above that. Yet, the show actively marks emotional people like Jerry, like Summer, like Morty, like Bird Person or Phoenix Person. <laughs> yeah. I think um... uh, what... Uh, sorry, I think what the community really does well is that there are so many main characters that, uh, you know, they can be both unique and vulnerable in the sense that we can care about them, uh, well, except for Chevy Chase, obviously. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, that's the problem with Rick and Morty. Uh, honestly, I don't find something like Pickle Rick funny. It was never funny from the beginning for me. And it's just stupid beyond reason. I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, for some people, including me, that is why it's funny. But I understand, respect your uh, taste. Thanks. I mean, the the thing about Pickle Week is that, as you say, it's a stupid idea. And... It should be treated like a stupid idea. And for the first half of the episode, it was a John Wick parody. It was a stupid idea that was kind of funny. But then that last two minutes of the episode, that's when it loses it for me. That they start to analyze Pickle Wick. It's trying to... I can't help it but you know, think of a lot of YouTube videos I've watched. There's there's this video called Subverting the Plot. I think it analyzes Bojack Horseman and uh, Rick and Morty, in which the the narrator says that you know these shows subvert their plot by explain by over explaining what they are about. It's kind of a meta thing, and the characters are aware of their problems. It's not hidden to them, same way it's not hidden to the viewer. I know. While in many other Older shows, it's not what it's happening, what's happening. I know, but Bojack Horseman does this in a very smart way. The characters are vulnerable, but when you go to Rick and Morty and all of the show up until that point is a a stupid, silly, Python-esque joke. I mean, it's like in the middle of a Monty Python sketch, suddenly uh, John Cleese sits down and talks about how he has intimacy issues. I think in third season they were trying to give more character to other characters other than Rick and Morty. And uh, Beth, that character... I don't think they were successful. Well, that's open for debate, but in that episode they're trying to paint the picture, you know, the problem that Beth deeply rooted problem she has with her father 
And you know, that is my problem. It bleeds into season four. Season yeah, four is basically... exactly. In many of the episodes, it's trying to cement or solidify this idea that they have problems and they have backgrounds. Jerry is a loser, but whatever, he's the glue that keeps all of this madness together. And, uh, you know, Morty and... Yeah. I forgot. But why, why do I forget the names? The name of the sister. Summer. Summer, Summer. yeah. Summer and Morty, they're trying to give them space. But the problem is that um, the thing we talked about, it's that this show as a sitcom doesn't work well with that. And one other problem I have with this show and many other shows and, you know, feature movies these days, uh, for example, Nolan movies, is that uh, when you start watching... uh, let me put it this way. You cannot enjoy Rick and Morty or a Nolan movie or many of the TV shows and other things that come out these days without supplements. It's a great marketing thing. But whenever someone tells me that in order to understand this book or this video game or this show or this TV uh, or this movie by watching other videos on youtube or reading other books or playing other things i'm like okay this is genius marketing but as far as the art form goes it's terrible if i'm supposed to watch a wisecrack video on every episode of uh, rick and morty to understand what they were trying to say and find the easter eggs the show is not doing a good job if I'm supposed to know the other works of its creators. It's not doing a good job. And to go back to South Park, South Park to me is the opposite. It's doing everything. And in in a span of 20 minutes, it conveys a message. It doesn't matter if you agree with it or not. It doesn't matter if you think it's retarded or smart. The thing is, it conveys, it manages to convey the message. And believe it or not, many of my uh, beliefs, because I started watching that show, in the middle of my high school. It kind of uh, defined the character I am today. That show helped me, a teenager, clueless teenager, to get a grasp of reality. And in many ways, in like the Team America portrayal, I don't agree with Trey and Matt, but generally I find them two highly intelligent people that first of all don't look down on other people the same way Royland and Harmon do. Yeah. And also, they understand life with details, but can put it in layman's terms. You know, you they can show it through emotions and simple things and in really funny ways. I mean, Rick and Morty is funny, but South Park, I, it's the funniest thing I have ever watched personally. And I love it because it's really funny and really educating at the same time. Yeah, Rick and Morty, there is this thing that it's on the back of my head. Uh, I don't know if you remember or not, but uh, Rick and Morty did a Simpsons crossover. Yeah. And when I heard that, I in my head I said, well, they're probably going to kill the Simpsons and then they're going to clone them. Guess what they did? <laughs> yeah. Now, if you tell me South Park is going to do a Simpsons episode, I have no idea what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, they kind of did it in the two-parter that oh the family guy one <laughs> yeah that shits on family guy <laughs> yeah. even that i don't expect south park to do that yeah and there's another episode uh the simpsons did it episode that uh assistant to butter says it so much he starts seeing the world as simpsons episode but the thing is about uh first of all not butters dr chaos yeah dr chaos <laughs> alter ego of butters yeah but the yeah. thing is, uh, when Rick and Morty wants to do something, they've done it so many times and without changing their formula that I already know what I'm going to expect. It's going to destroy, uh, it's going to be an antithesis to everything. It's a little yeah. edgy, if you ask me. It's too much. Yeah. But that's the problem with edgy media. Uh, remember my chemical romance? Uh, yeah. The band, it used to be very yeah. edgy. Yeah. But. 
as an art form, musical art form, I find edginess in music much less destructive than in TV shows. To be honest, the problem with being edgy, at least to me, I know we are not talking about season four, but these are all the problems that show themselves in season four too. They these problems uh, exist in all seasons, and yeah, that is including season four. No. They amplify in season four because season four, I think, is showing the burnout. They realize they've done it too soon with season two. And now they are desperately trying to go back to season one. But guess what? You can't uh, remove the arc. You cannot go back to an arc and say, well, no, the character didn't go through this traumatic experience. It's like the old days. And it's not. It's not. Yeah. And the problem with edgy media to me in any form is that there is always going to be a time where your edge is no longer cutting. (laughs) Yeah. What are you going to do then? You need to keep honing your edge. If you stop honing it, it's going to get dull and not cut. Remember when it used to be edgy when South Park did the shit episode? They said shit like... 200 times back then it used to be a big deal nowadays we are so used to it that we even we even mock the shows that are not saying it trying to yeah yeah okay but i think we've talked enough about uh yeah we can rick and morty let's jump to borderlands and keep this one shorter because let's not make it longer (laughs) than an hour and 10 minutes because jesus (laughs) So okay. Borderlands uh, is a series. Uh, it's Borderlands, Borderlands um, two, two Borderlands pre sequel, Tales from Borderlands and Borderlands three. Uh, all of them except for Borderlands, uh, Tales from Borderlands uh, is has its unique uh, RPG FPS gameplay. But uh, Tales from Borderlands is a telltale game. You know the story driven yeah. games so uh and, uh to be honest it's a game just, from gearbox yeah yeah let's just go around and say which ones we played i have played the first four i haven't played borderlands 3 because i think my laptop will burst in flame if i try to install it on it <laughs> <laughs> i have played all of them except for the tales from borderlands one uh i have actually played all of them Though nice, uh, there is a problem, Good. and there, which I'm gonna get later. Okay, so these games are uh, they get they have cell shade, cell shaded or cell shade. I'm not sure. Graphics is kind of like cartoonish graphics, which is a nice thing. I think it's cell shade. Yeah, cell shade. It's a nice thing. It's beautiful. We have seen it in other games like. Uh, Prince of Persia, the supposed reboot one. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That has cell shaded games. We have had cell shaded games from uh, older days. Uh, we have, I think, one of the most famous ones was uh, in a Sega Dreamcast game. It had graffitis and things like that. I don't remember the name. Uh, Jet Set Radio, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jet Set yeah. Radio. And which was an inspiration to Sunset Overdrive, one of my favorite games of this generation. Sunset that Overdrive. too had graphics. Yeah, it's an Insomniac game before they did Spider-Man for PS4. Yeah, I oh. really like that game too. It's a meta game too. And plenty of other games. So it's a cell shade game. Borderlands, uh, I played Borderlands, I think, after the Tales from Borderlands came out. I played the Tales from Borderlands first because I used to play a lot of Telltale games. Mm-hmm. Now I hate them, but back then I used to play them a lot. <laughs> okay. And I played Tales from Borderland, and then I played Borderland 1, Borderland 2, and Borderland the Pre-Sequel. I never finished Borderland 1, because I got bored, to be honest. Yeah, well, you played it really late, I mean... Uh, yeah. It's a 2007 game, I guess, or uh, and you have played it... 2009, at... if I remember right. Okay, 2009, and I think you've played it like 2017. Yeah, but the... I don't think that's the problem. I think Borderland 2 just works better to... Borderlands code. 2 is a better game in many ways, but then again, when Borderland 1 came out, 
the only thing that you could, you know, put it against was Fallout. And Fallout... Fallout 3? No, generally the Fallout series. And oh. Fallout, uh, you know, is a different game. I mean, they are post-apocalyptic yeah. and everything. But Borderlands is like, I don't know. Uh, Borderlands is like uh, the Deadpool of Fallout. It's just, it's there to mock everything about a post-apocalyptic world and the way stories are told. And it's funny. Yeah, it's funny. It's more like, I think it's more like Mad Max plus Diablo, you know, if they had a child. That would <laughs> yeah, become yeah. Borderlands. Yeah, yeah if um, you combine Mad Max the movie with Diablo the game. And that's an interesting aesthetic. I mean, one of the reasons I I don't know have you guys uh, do you guys remember the first trailer uh, from the first game I don't think anyone except me actually remembers that I haven't seen it to be yeah honest. I actually I... do and I was really hyped about this game because yeah right it was a realistic game with uh, possibly realistic gunplay and stuff like that and it it turned into some kind of more fun yeah and more accessible game uh, to its credit of of course over promising uh, has always been a part of video games we're not going yeah. to talk about peter molyneux <laughs> we're gonna have a special episode on him because he deserves a special episode yeah but yeah and especially those days we were being promised huge things i mean no one is going to forget killzone 2 trailer oh my god that was like one of the biggest lies of all time. Or even, we had, I think we've had uh, a lot of trailers for uh, Beyond Good and Evil before Forget the current that. one. Oh, yeah. But yeah, Dogs. I remember. The OG Watch Dogs trailer. Oh, that yeah, Watch Dogs. That was so like. Better than the, uh, what turned out to be. And the, you know, the fiasco, the biggest problem with that was that. Uh, it turned out to be, you know, scandal. Because the files and the possibility of, of having a game that looked much better were in the files, but Ubisoft had decided to disable it in the line of code. Because of you to make console, the console versions. Yeah, to make the console <laughs> versions not suck compared to the PC one, which is a Who really scandalous thing. So yeah, the promises yeah. were much bigger. But the product that came out, not it wasn't what was promised, but it was a great thing if you hadn't watched that and become, you know, hyped about yeah. it. Much like a and... Peter Marley in a game. The game itself is good if you don't look at what was it supposed to be. Yeah, don't don't compare it. Don't compare anything with a Peter Molyneux game. It's just <laughs> it it is in a league of its own. You seriously, you can't compare anything to that. Yeah. And the game is fun, you know, it's it's your FPS, RPG, staple, whatever. You get quests, you do them. What sets it apart is the tone and the insanity of it. I mean, and it's kind of meta, you know, it's in some parts the characters are kind of like commenting on the absurdity of the situation they're in themselves. And um, it's like comic bookish some in some ways the the weapons uh, one of the things i love about this series is the weapons it has different manufacturers and you don't have gear in this game like you don't have helmets and i don't know armors and stuff but you have a shield and there's a, it has a leveling system and you have guns uh, shields and mods for different characters and you have different types of characters like there you have uh, tanks you have sirens or magicians, you have like soldiers, and each game has uh, in the standard edition four characters, but all of them have had, you know, additions to those characters in the DLCs and stuff like that. Yeah, and if I know correctly, which is a bold assumption, the gun modding and the gun creation in Borderlands is sort of its biggest uh selling point? selling point yeah selling point i think it's trying to be a selling point and it's not that it's not good it's really good but i mean before the third one dropped 
there was this uh, trailer that was like a billion different variations of guns in the game and it got everyone hyped but then when we got the game we realized that by a billion they just meant adding or you know detaching a scope is considered a variation so in reality you had like oh probably a hundred different guns but if you had watched that trailer you were like oh my god i'm i'm never going to see the end of this guns and a hundred guns is small what the fuck hundred guns is a great number it's probably more than that i'm just saying that it's not that many oh yeah and but if but you know the first one is almost unplayable these days because of the graphics the story the tone as you said is boring and also some gameplay mechanisms like in this game when you're downed and you have a second chance that you can you know walk and and shoot other people in the first game you can't walk you just stuck in the place and it's almost it almost doesn't help yeah. you in any way and yeah. it's an old game it's 11 years by now if it was released in 2009 but uh, second one onwards you can move and um, the story in the second one is really good there are far fewer fetch quests and you know fetch quests or quests like the character just tells you to go to a place and do something and come back and it just adds to the gameplay hours but it just you know it's you grinding to level up and it one of the reasons games lose meaning is because the story is not good and the missions are repetitive and most of the time you're just trailing you're just going from one place to another and that's a bad thing which was resol- resolved in the second uh, installment of the game yeah and i'm saying the gunplay because one of the things i think fallout 4 stole was that and it did it much worse. <laughs> <laughs> like every other Bethesda game. Okay, yeah. I will not stand here and let you people <laughs> disrespect Skyrim. <laughs> Overrated. Yeah, let's not foray into Skyrim. Um, yeah. One thing I want to say is that, as I said, the first one has a lot of fetch quests. It doesn't have a good story. But at 2009, it was a really funny and awesome experience. Because it was, it had a huge world. It takes place on Pandora, by the way, the name of the planet they live on. And Pandora is basically Mad Max. It's just Mad Max. And there are a lot of stupid creatures, and they are looters, and it's, you know, it's basically chaos. And one of the funny things about the first one and the second one is the name of the enemies. Like, we have midgets, we have madmen, we have insanes, lunatics. It's just the game. Psychos. Yeah, it's, it, the game is helping you, you know, like Star Wars, you kill all these uh, stormtroopers and you don't feel any guilt. It's like <laughs> they're there to be killed. And all of the games have this too. You, I mean, in average shooter game, you probably kill 10,000 people or more by the end of the game. But you don't give a shit because they're there. And in a way, this game, in a really funny and satirical way, is helping you not care about this. It was just little um, badass midgets. I mean, it doesn't have a character. It's just there <laughs> to be killed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the, it was one of the charms of the game, and they kind of ruined it in the third installment. I think PC culture, probably, but you didn't have midgets. I mean, come on, midgets. No one is using midgets to offend other people and if they are it's their problem it's not the problem with the board and to be honest pc culture means political correctness culture not uh no personal not computer p- culture no, because no, no. i mean pc is the master race it could be oh my god i'm not gonna stoop to your level okay, uh, but, uh, let me yeah. just uh, say this because I haven't played the third one and I think people are more interested in first one so you and Mohammed can talk about that but one of the things uh, that you said the enemies have no characters well to be honest none of the protagonists have character either all of the character is for the side characters Claptrap and uh, well in yeah, the second they... one you have Handsome Jack which is the best character of Borderland uh, it's an interesting thing you pointed out Normally, the characters you play with don't have characters, but funny thing is, each installment, you get new characters, and the characters you used to play with become side characters, and then the characters for them is developed. <laughs> That's a funny yeah. thing. 
which is I know what they are going to. They want to create like this blank slate that you can put yourself into without like creating Bioshock level characters that you need to understand. But the problem is when I don't care about the character I'm playing as, and it's not totally blank. It has some semblance of a character there. So I, it's not like mm-hmm. the Dragonborn that I can imagine whatever I want. I don't really care for... Well, initially, they were... Yeah, I understand your point. Initially, they were aiming at creating just classes, different classes of characters. But the problem you're talking about is almost addressed completely in the third installment of the game. I mean, in the third one, one of the reasons I love Flack, which is kind of because of Tales from Borderlands. I mean, uh, a lot of the storylines are... And a continuation of Tales from Borderlands, which has a very rich story, unlike the other installments. I mean, the general story of the game is dumb. It's like there are vaults yeah. in the universe on some planets for whatever reason, and there are aliens, guardian angels, and we are vault hunters. That's it. <laughs> and we're fighting over prizes that we don't know what are. It's kind of like One Piece. Who knows what One Piece yeah. is? And does it even matter at this point what it is? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, yeah, that was one of the best points Ari pointed out that really works in the third game. Uh, like, my go-to class is Soldier, and uh-huh. the previous two games, the Soldiers just sucked. They had no characters, there was nothing interesting about them. But yeah. Zane in the third one is actually this old Irish dude who's yeah. always angry and he's really funny. And then you really enjoy playing with them. And uh, it has really immensely uh, made the game more enjoyable for me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, kind of that, that came from Tales from the Borderlands. Uh, if I'm honest, I really am not a fan of the first two games. Mm-hmm. But uh, with Tales from Borderlands, it's presented the world it's uh but it presented the world gearbox wanted to in a fantastic way in a way that uh, i get really invested in it yeah i understand and through that yeah borderlands 3 is a much more enjoyable experience for me uh of course it's a more refined game than the previous two and all that stuff but uh i think yeah it's just uh, i connect with it a lot better than the previous game yeah, a lot more thought has been put into it. Yeah, in fact, I have it on my PC here in work. I play for like an hour every night. I do one quest and then... It's a ritual. Yeah, it's really, really fun to play. Uh, one thing I want to talk about is that exactly after Tales from Borderlands, they created a strong uh, base to build the, the rest of the story upon. And in many ways, they did improve it. I mean, the characters, the depth of the characters, uh, the and they get out of their uh, planet. It's not on Pandora anymore. I know pre-sequel was not on Pandora, but uh, the third one, you're in a kind of a system, you're in a spaceship, and you can morph into different uh, parts of this planetary system. So a lot of variation. Sort of like Mass Effect? Yeah, yeah kind of. And... Because of that, the locations are, you know, you don't get bored or, you know, it's not repetitive. You've had Pandora uh, for a long time now, and you you can ha- explore much different places. I mean, the, the plantations, the atmospheres, everything. Like, this planet has a purple atmosphere, and it really adds to the game... What ruins the story part of the game is, first of all, the villains, the antagonists, they are, you know, not good. It's just two people that are... It's a comment on social media, supposedly, and it's just... Wow, it sucks. And to go from Handsome Jack to them... Yeah, uh, I haven't played Borderlands 3, but I can't imagine after Handsome Jack you're going to have a good villain follow-up. They could have, I mean, believe me, they could have after Tales from Borderlands. They could have given us a good thing, but they gave us two social media influencers trying to prove a point that is, it's bullshit. 
and it's got more PC than ever. It's trying to promote women. It goes out of its way to promote women. I mean, I understand. I stand with the decision to include women, but I don't. Un- I like it when it's done in Tomb Raider and Horizon Zero Dawn because it's a great story, it's a great world, and the character works. But when you're just trying to sell me this feminine idea, it's you know going out of your place. It's kind of ruins it and i mean it's evident in the naming too i mean we go from midgets and all other crazy names to names that don't make you laugh i mean the the second installment of the game and even in pre-sequel sometimes the names just make you laugh like the shirtless man that's all (laughs) the character is called the shirtless man because he doesn't have a shirt and we have a lot of characters like that but in the third one we are you know deprived of names like that and i think it's a lot of that comes from that PC culture that is, you know. Uh, but gameplay-wise, I think the game has become much better. The balance of the game, the variation of the guns. There's this new class of guns called COV Children of Vault, which is the cult that the new antagonists have created. And those guns are extremely funny and enjoyable to me. Like, you don't know the size of their magazines. It's approximately like 100 uh, bullets. And they have like, they are like generators. You have to pull a, I don't know what they're called, you know, when you're trying to run an engine, you have to pull them. And then they're, they're an engine, they're creating smoke and they get heated and the character pours water to them. You know, it's they're really funny Mad Maxi creations that are totally in line with the, the characters, the enemies, the NPCs you see in the game. I mean, to be honest, world building has always been the good aspects of Borderland. It doesn't have it doesn't have a good lore, but it does have a lot of character. Again, I haven't played the third one, and you are making me feel guilty about that. So fuck you. But yeah, I'm sorry. I... And one other thing is that in third one, the not only side quests, but generally interactive ways to play the game. I mean, the environment is filled with uh, interesting things to do. I mean, I uh, got a platinum trophy from the game, not because I wanted to, but because I genuinely wanted to explore every nook and cranny of the game. And uh, the world has become more interesting uh, by stealing vehicles, you get new parts, and there are, you know, vehicles you have to steal. There are kind of races, not races, time trials in a way that you have to do. You know, the world has become much more proactive. You you are interested to explore every corner of the game. And there are a lot of things to interact with, to discover. And that adds a lot to the third installment of the game. I think gameplay-wise, it was a huge leap forward. But story-wise, because of PC culture... In some ways, it got better the same, uh, you know, as we mentioned, through character development. But in some way, by trying to be feminism, not trying to be feminism, trying to be feministic, uh, they kind of ruined some parts of it. But generally, I really enjoyed the game. Okay, awkward pauses. I think um, <laughs> you and Mohammed no. should add anything if you want, because I think I made all the points I, I mean, and I'm sorry I took the microphone from you. But yeah, let's add and then No, finish. no, no. The problem is I haven't, play, I haven't played the third one, so all I'm having is the... It's not only about the third one. You can talk about all yeah, of them. Yeah, but the, as I said... I like the second one because Handsome mm-hmm. Jack and Handsome Jack is a very good villain. Mm-hmm. It's a funny villain. You know, you have Butter Stallion. I mean, any yeah. character who has a horse called Butter Stallion is automatically a great character. But... <laughs> the side characters are great. I mean, we have Moxie, we have Torg, and what's the name of the Russian uh, arms dealer? Yeah, exactly. Uh, or yeah, I the... mean... yeah. Every time you go to one of his vending machines, gun vending machines, America needs them too, by yeah. the way. I mean, the next yeah. step should be <laughs> gun vending machine. Uh, he, he, I mean, yeah, four more Trump and you'll have that. Yeah, he throws jabs like, don't die, not because I care about you, but because you're a customer. And, you know, he just <laughs> complete disregard for the customer 
except for his money. Yeah. He's like an asshole, but a really funny asshole. And you know, you're yeah. greeted with sentences like that a lot in this game. Like if you die so many times, we have these checkpoints that take away from your money. And if you die too many times, they're like, "Come on, I'm making money, but you're making you're dying so many times. I'm getting tired of it. Just get your shit together." <laughs> and it's funny. It's commentary on your gameplay and. It's a funny, engaging, immersive, and you know, as Muhammad put it, you invest in it in so many ways. It's a great game. I really like this series. It's one of my. It's in the top five of my video game series, I guess. And it's just so headstrong, going into action, funny and stupid. It's just. It's not trying to sell you something. It's not. It's just there yeah. to be crazy, to be explosive, to be fun, and it delivers on all of that points. Yeah. Unlike the earlier subject of today, we can move to. <laughs> yeah. I just want to say about the PC culture uh, that uh-huh. Amirza pointed out, is that in all honesty, when you look at the history of gaming, there are so many great female heroes. I mean, from Lara Croft, you said, to Jill yeah. Valentine or Resident Evil or, I don't know, yeah. uh, there are so many and it feels a bit unnecessary at times. Metroid, I think the character in Metroid is also a female. Yeah, Samus. Yeah. Oh, Seamus. Nobody knew that. Seamus no, or Samus? Samus, oh. Samus. No, okay. Yeah. Okay. And nobody knew that. Uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, you can only find out it's a woman by the end of the game. And... You know... It's not that we don't have, uh, I don't know, bias or uh, sexism in video games, not voluntary sexism or you know, intentional sexism, but it's been there. What I'm trying to say is that you shouldn't go out of your way. You should build a video game for, by, and centered around women or include them naturally. But when you try to force it into some formula that doesn't need it the outcome is not going to be great yeah exactly um one of the things to again go back to we can motive one of the stupid things is the bechtel test what is that you have to have a uh two female characters who have first name talking with each other and the subject should not be men ah yeah the train part <laughs> yeah 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 that's a test that is forced on many creators, and they, it's a check. Literally, it's just a check mark. If you do that, okay, you're no longer sexist. Check. Yeah, that's stupid. Yeah, that's Great. the problem, actually, because PC culture doesn't ask you to uh, create good stories for these characters. It just asks you to include them. And, and the funniest thing is, the, ca- the companies that are most abiding to this uh, rule are companies that, surprise, surprise, are here just to make money. I mean, Ubisoft, EA. Yeah. In these video games, you, you basically can't make a white male character anymore <laughs> because they have pushed for racial diversity and uh, female characters. And I don't know, recently the new thing is to include different body types yeah. and uh, I'm all for that don't get me wrong it's a great thing but what I am against is that when you do it mindlessly when you just shove it into a game and don't give it any direction to me that's that's an offensive thing to do I mean if they really cared they should create characters not just archetypes of those characters that's 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 an insult in my opinion and while we're talking about customization isn't cyberpunk uh, 2077 going to let you custom- <laughs> you can customize the size of your genitals yeah yes yeah. <laughs> i cannot wait for that game <laughs> yeah everyone's yeah, totally neither. hyped about that but I, like you seriously I let's am. sum up the podcast yeah is there anything mm-hmm. anyone wants to talk about rick and morty bad borderlands good is that yes yeah rick that's... and morty <laughs> rick and morty not bad but in a Me- mediocre in an in an alarming path, kind of bad, like we're worried about his future, kind of bad, and not as good as it could I mean, have been bad. Not that it's bad, but it could have been much better bad. Yeah. 
I mean to sum it up, I think if you're a creator, don't shove PC culture in your stuff like Borderlands 3. If you're a yeah. fan, don't be a Rican Morty fan. <laughs> yeah. That is good advice. No, I was saying that I am serious. If you are a Rican Morty fan and you feel offended about what we are saying, take a look back and realize why you would feel offended about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because... I mean, the moment you become an asshole because a character on TV is an asshole, you are either 12 years old or, or an, an asshole. asshole in disguise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wanted okay. to say you can reach us at... Um, we need to create an um, email for anyone if, you, if they want to contact us. But for those, of peop- the, for those of you who are on Telegram, you know how to contact us. And for those yes. people that might want to contact us, for the time being, we're going to create a uh, specific email address for our show. But for now, contact us at a.rewer at sign yahoo.com. That's a dot river in a way at sanyo.com. And um, but by the next episode, we will have made a email address. And do tell us if anyone wants to be uh, featured on the podcast and be a guest. You're more than welcome. And we're looking forward to hearing from you. And that's it. Mic drop from me. And I hand, <laughs> I ask others to pick up the mic and. <laughs> Yeah, continue. Finish the show. Okay. Yeah. Muhammad, uh, do you need to... There's anything you want to plug? <laughs> uh, no, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Uh, anytime. Thanks. And thank you for being on the podcast. And thank all of you who have heard us. We will try to do it weekly at the time being. So probably look for us next week. I'm saying probably because we are very moody. So it's very possible we don't have an episode next week. Yeah, and there's always the possibility that we don't do the show at all again. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look forward and pray yeah. we don't become excessively depressed or whatever. Yes. See you all later. Later. Later.